Welcome to another Retail Stories podcast from the Independence Day team. Independence Day, as you probably know, exists to promote our great independent retailers around the UK all year round, but culminating each year on July the 4th, our very own Independence Day. And this year it's particularly important because so many of our independents have been unable to open their doors for the past three months or so due to the COVID-19 lockdown. Just before we get started, I wanted to let you know that this year, Independence Day is being brought to you in association with Maybe. Maybe is an easy-to-use social media engagement platform that helps make social media work for independent retailers. It stops social media trial and error and helps you to improve the business results it delivers. Maybe helps you engage with your target audience faster, know your customers better, and measure the impact that Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Messenger are all having on your business or from one place on a desktop or a mobile app. Maybe, which is a contributor to the UK government's High Street Task Force, boosts business performance with smart insights and is 100% free to get started. You can sign up today and also get access to a free training session of your choice. Just visit www.maybetech.com or find them on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn at MaybeTech and on Instagram at WeAreMaybeTech. So in this podcast, we invited three lovely, very diverse indies, an opticians in Altrincham, an art gallery in Suffolk, and a general store and gift shop in North Yorkshire to talk about their lockdown, how they've been preparing to reopen, and what they've learned about their business moving forward as a result of lockdown. I'll let them introduce themselves and their businesses, beginning with the optician, Anthony Josephson. Uh, well, the business that I run is called Masco and Josephson. It's uh, a single independent optician in Altrincham, a, a market town in, in South Manchester, North Cheshire area. Hi, I'm Joanna Knight. I am owner-director of Really Very Nice Gallery in Bury St Edmunds in Suffolk. Uh, we specialise in contemporary art, um, but all styles and techniques, um, 3D and 2D art, as well as individual pieces of furniture. Hello, I'm Liz Kemp, and uh, I have two shops, one in Moulton, which is a market town in North Yorkshire, and the other one is in Whitby, which is on the coast, also in North Yorkshire. Um, And obviously both shops are shut as a result of lockdown, and we're now working out the best way of opening both of them, Moulton first and then uh, Whitby following once we work out um, how Whitby's going to cope with an influx of tourists. What preparations were you able to make before you were forced to close and and how have you been able to adapt or manage your business during lockdown? We didn't have a lot of time before lockdown was announced to to really prepare. We we had been thinking about going online. We didn't have an online offer before. We had been considering it and basically we decided to bite the bullet as soon as lockdown was announced and, and go for it. We had uh, within a week, we had 500 things listed on the website, which has been a bit of a lifesaver. So um, because we'd done a little bit of the pre-work, um, we were able to, to escalate that and, and crack on. Um, and also our book supplier offered a home delivery service, which has also been great. So we have access to over half a million titles, and they can be delivered direct to the customer. So those things um, and some other shopping options people were used to calling us up and doing telephone orders. We've also done, um, at Christmas, we did Skype shopping sessions, like personal shopping sessions with a 
a webcam so people could do that do their shopping without coming out so those things we just uh, brought them back and uh, they've really helped us obviously nowhere near the um, the turnover that we normally have but it's kept customers engaged we've been able to help people with birthdays and Christmas uh, birthdays and and other gifts so that's been what we've done and Anthony has it been uh, different for you um it wasn't particularly possible to make a great deal of preparation. Is that there was, as, as March was going on, there was there was an inkling with with my business, as it was with many businesses in different industries, in the sense that something big was coming, something big was going to happen in terms of something like a, a lockdown. Obviously, other countries were were already into lockdown at this point, so it was seemingly only a matter of time before it got to us as well. Um, but there was no idea in terms of exactly when it was going to happen. But as, as more and more things went on, as restaurants started to close and cafes, bars, pubs, etc., started to close, uh, it got to the point on, uh, on on Monday, I think it was on Monday, the 23rd of March, a few days after they closed, um, whereby um, I came into work one morning and I thought, well, this is this is ridiculous. If, if, if it's unsafe for people to be in those environments, then it, it surely has to be unsafe for people to be in, in our sort of working environment. So everybody, the whole team and I came into work as normal that morning. We had one or, or two patients that were ready first thing in the morning, so they came in. Um, but basically, we drew the line at about 10 o'clock. Um, and the first hour before that, we'd gone through everybody that was booked in and just obviously called them and said, until further notice, uh, we, we can't see you. So it was all a very, very quick change. Um, in terms of how, how lockdown itself has been, it's from the end of that day, um, I was the only person left in, in the business. Everybody else went home. The furlough had, had just been announced, so there was no no immediate concerns about covering uh, salaries or, or staff costs, although um, it seemed like a, a, a decent thing to do, and we could certainly afford it as a business to keep all staff on, on 100% salary. So we've, we've kept that going right up, up to now and, and beyond. Um, so we didn't have a great deal of time to, to prepare for anything, but I was in by myself. Uh, and made the decision that opticians had never actually been told we had to close. There was never any specific instruction that said, if you run an optician, you must close your doors, you must not see anybody. Um, so we made the decision, like a lot of opticians did around the country, that to remain open and offer what was then being uh, referred to as urgent or essential eye care. So that could cover clinical issues, but it could also cover things like broken glasses or lost glasses. Basically, the criteria was... Um, anything that was either sight-threatening or had the potential to be, or anything that meant you couldn't function in your capacity with, without your glasses or with the, a previous pair. So some, something along those lines. So up until last week, that's basically how we were operating, and I, and I was in six days a week, um, essentially helping people clinically or, or optically who, who needed some assistance. Joanna, what's your experience been up in uh, Bury St Edmunds? Well, we were fortunate in that we didn't really need to make too many preparations as we already had um, internet-based CCTV, so we could remotely monitor um, any sort of activity inside the gallery, so that was good. In terms of preparations for adapting the business, I guess we just sort of ramped up our marketing and communications. In particular, we, um, if anything, increased our social media activity and we also launched a new promotion, so we were offering free delivery to anywhere within East Anglia and to try and sort of up the internet sales. And in terms of reopening, what are the practical challenges that you're facing as you get ready to reopen? Well, once again, we are not faced by 
the same level of challenge that perhaps some other businesses are because we're not a huge business. So we have made a significant investment in PPE, um, including some fun things. We've brought face masks with our logo on it. Um, because our name really very nice always makes people smile so we thought it'd be nice to have face masks with a logo on um, but you know, hand sanitizer furniture sanitizer and obviously we'll be restricting the number of people coming into the gallery but fortunately or unfortunately whichever way you look at it we don't generally get vast numbers of people coming in at any one time anyway so we, we don't have the same difficulties as perhaps some other businesses would in terms of reopening, um, Anthony, given the, the nature of, uh, of the business, you're, you're obviously, by, by definition, much more up close and personal with your, your, your patients. So what are the practical challenges that you're facing as you prepare to reopen? Um, well, I don't believe we're facing a great deal of practical challenges anymore. There were a lot of practical challenges um, which we had to get over, and, and I'll, I'll go into in a moment how, how I think we've got over that. But in general, as a profession, you, you've sort of hit the nail on the head is that there is a lot of fairly up close, um, not necessarily contact, there's very little contact, but you, you are obviously sitting in, in some of the private space for a, a lot of however long your consultations may be. So these were in, immediate things that, that we had to get over. Now, whether or not it's sitting in that consultation room, having the clinical checkup with an optician almost sitting on your lap asking you questions and, and putting the, the, uh, the frame on and checking your glasses prescription, or whether it's actually on the, from a retail perspective, um, and obviously our retail element was controlled in the same as other retail, so we had to shut down retail even if we could keep clinical elements open for emergency purposes. Um, if, if you're choosing a new pair of glasses, obviously you pick it up the shelf, you try it on, you don't like it, you put it back on the shelf. Um, you can do that with however many frames you want to try on, and then once you've done that, you have a, a dispensing optician that comes close to you and takes all your measurements and, and fits the frame. So these are these are the hurdles that we had to get over. And, and from the end of March straight away, um, those hurdles were always going to be a problem for when we could resume business. We've got um, we, we've completely rebuilt our shop floor with. Um, we're only a small shop in terms of the retail side of things, but we've rebuilt it with, um, we've got 13 different uh, sort of six, seven foot tall Perspex screens blocking everything and, and everyone in so that, in essence, people can come in and walk straight through the door and, and, and it's very difficult to not be within two meters of another person, but we guarantee that if you are, there's a Perspex screen between you and obviously that gets cleaned and wiped down every time somebody walks past it or, or stops next to it. And in, in addition to that, all the glasses or the spectacle frames that we would normally have on the shelf are no longer on the shelf, so they're all in drawers. So if anybody wants to, to look at glasses that they're entitled to, they can come in with an appointment only, they'll sit down. Um, we will select some frames, we'll let them try on as many as they want, um, but before it actually gets to the point where they can uh, go back into the drawers, they get sterilized either with alcohol wipes or with a UV lamp or actually generally a combination of the two just just to be sure. So that's the, uh, that's the shop floor. In terms of the, the consultations and the clinical side of things, um, in order to minimize the amount of people that our patients or customers come into contact with, um, as soon as they walk through the door, everything clinical gets done just by the optometrist. So there's me and another gentleman that works with me. And it's just one or the other of us that will start through all, all that process. So it means that the first thing that we had to do was stretch out all of the consultations to allow uh, everything to be done 
not not necessarily slower, but everything to be done at a, at a greater distance, as well as allowing gaps in between one appointment and the other to effectively uh, run around and wipe down every surface uh, completely thoroughly with an 80% alcohol uh, solution to make sure that nothing anybody touches can get touched by somebody else before it gets cleaned. Uh, in the actual clinical room, the glasses that I've alluded to already that you would normally put on to check your prescription, I won't say they've gone um, because they might still have a need, but they've been replaced by um, more advanced electronic equipment that means that you don't need to worry about lenses touching people's faces. Uh, the equipment that we would use to look through, to look into somebody's eyes, the perspex screen separating uh, patients from practitioners in terms of all of that. And we've always had a, a fairly high-end series of, of equipment here that allows us to actually look into the back of somebody's eyes. So that takes something that might take um, sort of an, an old school practitioner five to ten minutes in close proximity to do and it allows us to do it within 30 seconds or so from the other side of a, of a room. Thanks Anthony. Uh, and Liz? We have a, our shop is a reasonable size but I think uh, our issue is that we have a lot of stock so we've had to do some rationalization. We've had to really think about how people buy books and cards, the browsing opportunities and the, the handling and the hygiene. Uh, I've listed 150 cards online in the hope that people will buy through that route as opposed to uh, their expectations being met in the shop. Obviously, we want our team to feel safe and comfortable. So we're, I'm in a sort of constant dialogue with them about when they feel comfortable to come back. And I'm going to run the Molten shop myself for the first couple of weeks to see what what challenges there are. Um, obviously PPE, um, one-way systems, social distancing, um, just to, uh, letting customers know what to expect when they come through the doors. I'm doing some little videos of how we've reorganized the shop, we've moved the till to the front. So I think we have to take a flexible approach, we have to do the best that we can to start with, compulsory hand sanitizer on the way in. but. After that, I think we just need to look every day at how people have responded, what's worked and what hasn't, and adjust accordingly. What's the response been like from your local community, you know, both during the lockdown and, and now as, as, as everybody's getting, to, getting ready to reopen? I think we, we're lucky with our Molten Shop. We're in a, a, a market town where people come all the time to get jobs done. So um, the other retailers in the town uh, fruit and veg bakeries have all stepped up. So people are used to um, businesses giving them what they need in this situation. And I think we've been able to do that too. So when we have made uh, an opportunity for people to buy direct from us to gift wrap, to write cards for them, to send things, people have been really, really um, positive. The feedback has been lovely. The, the book ordering option, uh, so many people say they're consciously making the choice of supporting an independent rather than going to the, the big online um, booksellers. So I, I think we've had a very supportive response from our community. Um, most of our online orders admittedly have been local people. I think going forward there will be, still be some people that are hesitant about going out. So we will meet their need in the way that we have been doing till now. But our, I, I believe that our, our local community are very supportive of the local businesses and see that they've been resilient and flexible in, in, in a difficult situation. Berry St Edmunds is a very friendly and quite unique town really. It's got very 
um, old-fashioned values and is very proud of its community spirit. And there's lots of local initiatives like Berry and Bloom and so forth that we've always participated in. And whenever we've had to pop back to the gallery over the last couple of weeks to sort of start looking at what we needed to do, we'd bump into people who would say hello and saying how much they're looking forward to us reopening. So um, I think, well, I'm confident that we're going to get great support from the local community. Communication for my business, as, as was the case with, I think, every business, whether it was by direct communication over the phone or email or text message or letters or through um, more modern digital platforms like social media, Twitter, Facebook, etc. Um, communication was obviously critical to keep people up to date. Um, on that 23rd of March date, when we, when we shut the doors, a message went out to not to everybody on our system, but everybody who'd certainly been in to see us over the last five years, um, so we're talking about six, 7,000 people, um, heard from us to say, basically, uh, something as simple as, everybody knows what's going on at the moment, we're available if you need us for an emergency, but until further notice, we're, we're closed for a routine or, or formality checkup. Um, and then a couple of days later, we had a, a better idea in terms of what was going on, so, uh, so we kept them in, in the loop. And I, I'd say probably every seven to Seven to 14 days, roughly every 10 days, I'd, I'd been in touch with people via email um, in terms of um, what we're offering, what we're here to do in terms of helping people, and also the measures that we're putting in place for when we're able to open so that people know that we're, we're a safe place to come to. And, and you're right, we do have a lot of very, very fiercely loyal people who know that we, we uh, have always offered a, a good level of service and, and care, and they would assume... Uh, that we that they would they would if we just opened the doors and said we're open these these people would come through trusting that we've put all the measures in place but there is understandably a huge amount of, of anxiety and concern not necessarily in in the most fiercely loyal but in in the loyal through to the infrequent visitors who are worried about leaving their house let alone going and spending half an hour to, to an hour in a I mean, our rooms aren't, aren't tiny, but in a, a five-meter by five-meter room. But it, it's going to be a challenge even when people do come in because there's no way that we can support the same volume of people that we previously would do. A number of people have, uh, have told us that, the, that in, before the lockdown, they had detected a greater willingness or enthusiasm among people to support or value their local independent shops. Do you, do you detect that as well? Absolutely. Um, there was quite a campaign before the lockdown about the council that was proposing to increase parking charges. And part of the local uproar about this was the fact that Bury is very proud of having so many independent shops. And it makes it so um, more positive for the overall experience in the high street because a number of the large um, multinationals are closing down and the small independents are what makes the high street different. And I think people will and have appreciated that, that we need independence on the high street. It's what will keep it alive and keep it different and vibrant. And we have always had people coming in just for a chat and a browse. And we hope that that will continue and confident that it will. I mean, the, the brilliant thing about Altrincham, which is, um, so I've, I've been working in, in this practice um, for about seven and a half years now. I took over about three years ago, uh, just over, um, is, is the great thing about Altrincham, certainly over the last 
seven, eight years is the amount of thriving independent practices. You get it. We've got lots of chains, and, and whether it's uh, opticians or, or whether it's uh, hand, handy stores, Wilco's, or um, closed stores like H&M, um, W.A. Smith, uh, Stationery, and whatnot. There, there are a lot of, of chains, but there's a massive thriving independent community in, in Altrincham down to your, your opticians and your coffee shops and your independent clothes shops and, and so on and so forth, and your jewellery shops. And there's a lot of them, and Altrincham has always had a really, really good vibe around it because of that. And, and there's a lot of support for the independents. In terms of going forwards, whether that support is, is higher, um, I think it will be. I think it will be, because I think in, in, individual independent shops can put an individual independent slant on what we're doing to, to protect people. And a lot of the, the bigger companies... Um, understandably, haven't ticked this essential box. So they've they've closed down for the last three months. They've all been managed from people in higher offices, in higher places, uh, and there's been a lot of um, of lack of communication between them and, and the general public. Whereas your independent closed shop, whilst they've not been open, they've been talking to the community and advertising themselves and getting out there on, on social media and so on, which means that for the people in the community are now more appreciative of these stores and they're more appreciative of their presence and they're more appreciative of, of, of what they can offer. So I think even for a town where independent business has always been um, a massive pulling point of, of, of the high street, um, I do expect it will get busier. I think so. I think, I think people have recognised that we've been able to fill gaps, that our supply chain has been better, the personal service has been better, and, and I, I think people... If, if they're in a position financially and geographically to support a shop or if there's an online opportunity to support a biz, an indie business, I think people are really up for it. I think they realize that we, you know, we're people that employ people, we're, we have faces, we have personalities, you know, it's not an anonymous transaction. So when you look back on this in a year's time, goodness only knows what we'll be in a year's time, but when, when we look back on this in a year's time, how do you think this whole experience would have changed or influenced the way you run your business, the way you, you do business? I think I think there are lots of, of positives, strangely, to come out of this. It's certainly given us an opportunity to sit down and really think about our business, think about where our resilience lies, where our weaknesses lie. Getting the online channel going has been a, a, a lifeline, and it's one that we will expand on now uh, because the future is a little bit unknown with the second spike potentially and continued social distancing. So I think we are going to be cleverer with our cash. We're going to hold on to our cash more. I think um, you know it's a scary place when you when you realise that you're not going to have an income for several months. So the overheads don't go away. So I think we're going to be more cash savvy. I think we are going to focus on relationships with our customers and meeting the need wherever they can can find us. So as many channels as possible. And that you know, it's not taking away from the fact that we're a bricks and mortar shop. But I think we need to be more resilient. Um, I think I'm I'm proud of how flex, flexible we've been. I'm, I'm proud that we've stepped up and I'm proud that we've been able to um, be there for our customers. But I think uh, I will certainly be focusing more on uh, cash reserves um, and looking for opportunities to build other, other ways to make our business more resilient. So some of the measures that we've 
that we've put in place. Um, a lot of the, not necessarily purely from a retail point of view, but certainly all of the equipment that we've got in terms of the, the clinical side of things. All of this equipment has been available for, for, for a good few years. It's not just hit the market because of, of coronavirus or COVID-19 and all of these measures. Um, and, and a lot of them are incredibly expensive. And as, from a business point of view, you have to weigh up whether actually what you gain from investing in something is worth obviously what it what it costs you and and if it simply makes things a little bit quicker um then more often than not you go well i don't i don't want to speed things if i want to spend time with my um with my patients i want to get to know them a little bit better i want to have more time to talk to them about what their needs are and what their requirements are to get it right um and actually the way that things are done clinically now i i i, I look back and think well actually it's it is it is always going to be uh, safer to do it this way, whether it's the, the common cold or anything along those lines that you've not never really worried about. Is if you look at these things and go, well, actually, it's safer for me and it's safer for my patients to be doing things this way. It's safer to have all these protocols in place, uh, and I can't imagine them disappearing ever, let alone any any time soon. The, the the only thing that I can um, imagine changing, and the only thing that I'm, I'm looking forward to changing, is reopening the the retail space at some point and, and putting glasses back on the shelves so that people can come in and browse without having an appointment to get through the, the, the doorway threshold in the first place. But a lot of the other measures and a lot of the other equipment that we put in place will now be here for for good. I'm not sure it will change as dramatically. Um, we've always focused on both um, the personal aspects of our business, meaning that we have been very focused on old-fashioned values, if you like, um, making shopping a social experience rather than simply um, a must-do because you can do that over the internet. But that said, we also know that we just have to keep the pressure on marketing and uh, communications to ensure people know about us and um, perceive us and recognize that we are different. And I think the focus on personal values like we offer a delivery service and so encourage people just to come into the gallery and browse, I think we'll be rewarded even more so in the future. So we're feeling very positive. Which kind of leads me on to my next question. I, was, I wanted to finish um, on a fairly upbeat note because, I mean, there's been so, so much sort of stress and anxiety and, uh, and gloom around. And I want to ask, what gives you cause for optimism at the moment? The mere fact that we're able to reopen, I suppose, is part of the optimism um, because it's sort of this um, not being able to make a difference to your business. You can promote the business um, virtually via social media and websites and so forth, but ultimately nothing beats that face-to-face -face contact with customers because you get better feedback. So I guess the real optimism is the fact that we can start getting back to a this was phrases at the moment, the new normal. It won't be normal from what we used to know, but is that such a bad thing? We, I hope that perhaps people have re-evaluated some of the values previously and the fact that cheapest is not always best. And I do appreciate that many people are facing tremendous economic hardships, but nonetheless, you know, we all have to help each other. Um, I mean, we've sort of touched upon bits of this already, is, is that we have a, 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 a really lovely database of, of people on the whole that, that come to us. They're, they're very, very supportive, and they've always been very, very appreciative of, of what we've done, even under, shall we say, simpler times. The fact that they're all 
a lot of them are, are ready and raring to go and come back in and support us at the earliest opportunity. Um, that, that's great. I mean, the, the business will not be run as it was. There are a lot of changes, but changes aren't always a, a, a bad thing. It's going to be challenging in the short term because we've got a backlog of people to get through and, and we're going to be sort of overflowing to begin with for probably several months to get through that. But once, once that chaos has all settled down, we'll be running the business, offering the same level of service and care that we've always done in, in a in a post-COVID way, in a, in, a, in a much more modern and a much more advanced way. I am optimistic. I believe that we offer a difference to a customer. I think uh, we will benefit, sadly, from um, the fact that pubs and restaurants and foreign holidays are not on people's agenda at the moment. So um, I'm hoping that, that we will benefit sadly, <laughs> but we will benefit from people staying at home. Uh, our Whitby shop certainly would staycationers, hopefully. Um, I also think that our price points are good for gifts, and we offer a really wide range of gifts. So we're not luxury high-end. It's not a difficult spend uh, if you're you're buying a gift for 10 or 20 quid. You know, people, people are, are in a position to do that. If the recession hits, will be more resilient in that in that sense than than perhaps um, a more high-end uh, operation that sells luxury brands so I, I think that we've got a good we've got a great customer base we've got a community we're all about relationships and personal service and I believe that our customers will stick with us and I think that if we're clever we can find opportunities going forward in these strange times I hope like me you found that a really fascinating conversation our thanks to Joanna, Liz and Anthony for taking part. If you want to find out more about each of their businesses, then here's where you can find them. Anthony's Opticians is called Maskell and Josephson, and you can find them online at maskelloptometrists.com and on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Joanna's Art Gallery is the Really Very Nice Art Gallery. Their website is reallyverynice.co.uk, and you can find them as well on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and Pinterest. And Liz runs Kemp's General Store. They're online at kempsgeneralstore.co.uk and you can find them too on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Please do check them out. So you've heard our podcast contributors talking about how important social media has been to them. Uh, so don't forget, at Independence Day, we're working in partnership with Maybe this year. It's an easy-to-use social media engagement platform that helps make social media work for independent retailers like you. It helps you engage with your target audience faster, know your customers better, and measure the impact of social media on your business, either from a desktop or a mobile app. It's 100% free to get started. You can sign up today and also get access to a free training session of your choice. Just visit them at www.maybetech.com. For Independence Day, we'd love you to engage with us. Our website is independencedayuk.org where you can download logos to use in your shop, and we'll be shortly making this year's poster available to you. You can keep up with all the news from us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at UK Indie Day. Thanks for listening, stay well, and in keeping with our theme for this year's campaign, stay local, pledge a pound, and support small shops. Bye for now. Show.